You've done it again, Lord. You've done it again. You are good and you are mighty and you are merciful. And you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it. Praise you, Jesus. You are Lord. Give me another one, Lord. Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world, that will not compromise when under pressure, that will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees, who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all Amen. <laughs> I was sitting at McDonald's two weeks ago, and, and Matt Hale sends me a note and says, uh, hey, this video, it, it might work when you teach about prayer, and there's no warning whatsoever other than that. And so I, I open it up there at McDonald's, and almost immediately, I start to leak. <laughs> and it wasn't just this little bit of of some emotion being stirred. It was all out embarrassing. It was the kind of stuff that's falling on the table in front of me. And I had these mixed emotions. One of them was just to hide, to pull my coat up over me. The other was to call a prayer meeting right there, right there at McDonald's, begin to pray right there. And I've had some time to process since then why the emotions were so strong, stronger than I can recall ever at anything at McDonald's in my whole life. And part of it was this. Part of it was... There was this sadness I was feeling for all of the times that I didn't pray with that clarity. All of the times that, that I had this stale prayers and that kind of, in my own mind, they were drifting off into space and, and they weren't, I wasn't clear about who I was praying to and what difference it would make. There was some sadness there. And then part of it was there was so much passion to be one who prays like that and, and not for show, just because the heart and the clarity is so strong. 
And then part of the tears with his passion for the harbors of church for us to become a people that, that increasingly pray like that. Again, not for show, but, but pray with this expectancy that God does answer prayer. That was what fueled the character in the movie, The War Room, wasn't it? She had this expectancy because God had answered prayers before, and that was his character. He'd done it through biblical times. She expected when she prayed, God would answer prayer. That's why she prayed like that. And, and so the passion within me, for me and for you, for us together, to have such clarity of that is, is we pray to the God of the universe who does answer prayer. When I saw the movie, I couldn't help but think about King David because you and I read the Psalms, and so many of them are so passionate. They're, they're filled with passion. And I think the place that spells out why he prayed that way is in Psalm 5, verse 3. It says this, Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. David knew God answers prayer. God answers prayer. That's the long run of biblical history. That's the long run of human history as well. So today, here's the focus, folks. The focus is that God does answer prayer. The question is how he does it. Now, let me step back and say it's a special Sunday because this Sunday is one of the few in the, in the year that we have the fourth and fifth graders in the room. And if you're a fourth and fifth grader, we are thrilled you're here. I am thrilled you're here. No better topic. Yeah, welcome to this room. Welcome to this room. No better topic for you or for me or for all of us than prayer. And so if you're here, I'm so glad you're here. If you're sitting beside a mom or dad, so glad you are. You guys can hear this together, that God answers prayer. Now, a few weeks back, Weston talked profoundly about prayer, teaching about Hezekiah's life. And the the heart of the message was that, that the most important thing about prayer is intimacy with God. Above all else, God longs for us to be close to him, drawn to him, intimate with him. That's the biggest piece of prayer. And that part is that is so crystal true. Now, now in that intimacy, it's not a balanced relationship, is it? It's not an equal relationship. It's the creator on one side. It's those of us created on the other side. On the one side, it's, it's the one that has all wisdom and all knowledge and all power and perfect love and, and perfect righteousness on one side and, the rest, and us not so much, any of that. It's not this balanced relationship, is it? There's one who has, has every answer and all power, and then we're sitting on the other side without any of that. And the good news is that, is that God yearns for us in this intimacy. He yearns for us to look to him, to lean on him, to ask him for help. It's a place that that Jesus says, I want you to ask and to seek and to knock. Paul would write it this way in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He would say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. The God of the universe is saying, come to me. Tell me. Ask me. Ask me the things that, that you need help with, the things you want answers for, the things that you can't do on your own. Ask me about that. He, and and so, so this is about, this is about he does answer those prayers. There should be some urgency that we have beyond what we might generate, if I don't mention one more piece of this, and that is this, is that, is that we live in a world at war. I'm not speaking about country against country. I'm speaking about an enemy that Scripture speaks of who is our enemy, Satan. And he is so much more than we are, but so much less than God is. And this should bring great urgency to us. 
Paul writes about it in Ephesians chapter 6. He would say this final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It ought, it ought to add just so much urgency to the prayers that we have. And then Paul follows this section with this. Down at verse 18, he says, Because of this risk, because of the war, pray in this spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So God does answer prayer how. I was reading again what I've read many times, that he often answers prayer in four ways. And you may recognize some or all of these. One way is he answers yes. Or another way is he answers no. Or another way he answers wait. Or another is, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I've prayed some of those, you've got to be kidding me prayers, I'm sure. But that's what this one writer was saying. And part of it was very true. Part of it was in jest. But I want to, I want to give you four other ways in which God answers prayer. The first is this, God answers prayer in love. God answers prayer in love. Matthew 7, verses 9 to 11. Jesus says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? God answers prayer. He always answers it in love. It's important to understand the definition of love. It is to want and to do what is best for someone. Love is to want and to do what is best for someone. It's not to want and do what someone wants. It's to want and do what is best for someone. So it means that God prioritizes our needs above our wants. When we pray to Him, when we make our ask of Him, because he loves us, he'll prioritize our needs above our wants. But he always answers our prayers in love. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, are, they're off on this, this venture for God, taking this message of Jesus to places that have never heard the message before. So they've gone through some old places. Now they're looking for the next new place, and they're asking God where, and God's not telling them an answer. And so they keep trying to make this left-hand turn into what's now western Turkey. And and there are roadblocks that come up time after time after time. They keep asking God no answer until one night there's this vision that God gives Paul. And he says, I want you to actually to skirt across the top of western Turkey. And I want you to go to Macedonia that we would know as northern Greece. That's where I want you to go. So Paul and Silas had been asking God, we're not just on this venture on our own. You have the best place, you have the best timing. Would you show us? Because God answers in love, God showed them with clarity where that was. I've, I keep a prayer journal. Most of the time, I, I take breaks from time to time for 25 years or more, I guess. I've maybe 30, actually more than 30 years now. And so I've got, I've got some journals that will fill the shelves of my office and some at home as well. And so I pulled off three or four of those this week. I started flipping through them. And I came across this, this one given Sunday that... Uh, services were done. Later that day, I, I do what I always do. I, I ask God how he thought I did in giving his message. Now, I get, get a lot of feedback from, from you and people online, and I value that very much. 
whether it's affirming or critical, I value it very much. I read it, take it to heart, pray about it. But I've learned that, that you might be wrong, and I've learned not to trust my opinion how it went. And so now I always, a few hours later, I'll ask God, how do you think it went? And almost always there's this clarity. And, and, and I'll thank God a bunch of times, most of the time, it's, you did good. You gave me your best, you did all that. But every now and then it's, mm, Rick, you got to be kidding. You even asked the question, you know. You know you should have worked harder and you should have all that kind of stuff. But this time there was nothing. And so Sunday evening went on and there was nothing. I had such a dis-ease about it. So I was journaling Monday morning, which is what I was reading this week. I was journaling Monday morning and saying, God, I, I have no peace about Sunday's message. I haven't heard from you at all. And I think I made all these wrong turns, but I'm not hearing from you. And I need to hear from you. And I finished my praying that day. And then two days later, I'm reading the journal on Wednesday then. And I'm reading, God, you are a stunning God who answers prayers. And there was this relatively new friend in my life on the, the night before had sent me a text. I hadn't talked to him at all or seen him since the services and hadn't talked to anyone about my struggle. And, but on Tuesday night, he sends me this text and says, Rick, um, you're going to think I'm crazy? This probably makes no sense at all, but God keeps pressing on me to send you the message. Do not second guess yourself. And I was reading that again this week and thinking, God answers prayer in love. I needed to know. I couldn't trust my opinion or not even yours, which I would trust more than mine, but I needed to know. And it would be helpful to me, and God was faithful. And this time, rather than just the, the way he leads by the Spirit, this time with clarity. And I started saying black and white, but what do you call when it's on screen? Anyway, it was on a phone screen. I, it's tangible. You know, it's, it's still there. It's tangible. God answers prayer always in love. God also answers prayer always in perfect wisdom. He always answers in perfect wisdom. He knows what has already passed. He knows what the current circumstances are. He knows what is to come. He knows you. He knows all the others involved. 2 Corinthians chapters 11 and 12, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And at the end of chapter 11, he tells them about this time 14 years before that God took him up into heaven. He said, I don't know if it was in the spirit or with skin on, but he took me up into the third heaven, whatever that means, up to the third heaven, and I was blown away, and God said, this is too special. You can't even describe it to anyone. You can't ever tell a soul. And he said, God took me up there and showed me. And then he writes, he says, then, then this is what happened beyond that. And, and so he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. So there's, he calls it a thorn in the flesh, probably some kind of physical ailment that he now has. And, and God has said, this is to keep you from becoming proud. You know, all that I've done, all I've shown you, all of the impact upon me working through you, this is to keep you from becoming proud. And then Paul says, so three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And I could imagine what he said, because I would say, God, do you realize, God, how much more I could serve you if I were just well? If I wasn't sick all the time, if I wasn't hindered by this, and if I didn't feel bad so often, God, do you realize if I were on all eight cylinders, so please heal me? I'm not being selfish, God. Yes, it'd be great to feel good, but the big deal is your kingdom, God. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. God answered his prayer in love, but also in perfect wisdom. 
because he, he didn't want to give Satan any room to cause Paul to be proud. He didn't want Paul to have any room to think, I can handle this one, God. You've handled the last four or five. I can give you a break. I got it down pat. I know the, I know the ropes now. He wanted Paul to understand that when Paul got the truth of how weak he really was, then he would lean upon God completely upon the one who had all strength. So Paul prayed three times, please make me well. And God, because he answers in love and he answers in perfect wisdom, God said, no, because I have, I have a better answer for you. I, I, many years back, I was uh, in the oil business. I was in a workplace that was a very toxic environment, so much so that more than one person became suicidal, sought out professional counseling. It was, it was, a, it was a wreck of a place to work. And I was a pretty new Christian, and I began to think about what would make a company work well. And I began to think God created the world. He created the principles with which to live. And I began to think if, if you had a company that was filled with Christ followers who actually did life and did business the way God wanted, that would ultimately be, become the best enduring company in existence. If there's a company doing everything God's way, over time, that would be the shining company and everything. And I began to realize, well, of course, there's not one of those. But I began to think, what if I could work in one that was kind of like that? rather than in this toxicity. And so I asked God to get me someplace else in the business world. And, and there was one particular opportunity that was, it was ideal in every respect. It fit the criteria. I knew some people there. It was a healthy place to work. And there were some Christ followers there, a closer proximity to all of our family and all that kind of stuff. And, and here's the deal. I'm not blowing smoke on, on this. I, I, had, I had the best resume that was submitted. I know that. And the door never opened. So I said, why? And soon after that, I read a quote by a businessman from way back named C.T. Studd. He said, some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. He was saying, God, I got this clarity from you that, yeah, it's great. I could, like, I could just hang out at the church all the time, and that's a great place to be. But, but I think you've given me this calling. You want me, you want me to put me just a yard outside the gate of hell? So, like, this is the last chance. Put me there. Put me there. Put me in that place. And I began to look at my situation a little bit differently. And through some circumstances not of my doing, God said, I want you to start a Bible study. I never led a Bible study in my life. Didn't know how to lead one, but we started one. Because of the toxicity, people came in droves. If you've been in a healthy place, it probably been just me, but they came in droves. I didn't know what to do. So we'd read the Gospel of John, and we'd try to talk about it. We'd end up saying, you know, we'd ask questions, and no one has the answers. So we'd come back next week and read some more Gospel of John. But 25-year-old, angry Brent Hauser trusts Jesus, and his life has changed. And 65-year-old Junior Shivers has been in the drilling world of all that, cried all his years, his, trust, trust, his life has changed, and others as well. And I began to look at work totally differently. I began to think, why, why wouldn't you put so many of us Christ followers in, in the toxic places, in the places that's just one yard short? So that really messed with me when God said, okay, now that you've done that, some years passed, now I want you to leave that, now go work in a church. Uh, how does that work, God? <laughs> Did I mess up a yard outside of hell? Did I mess up really badly? How does that work? And, and in fact, my last, he showed me again and again and again to do that. 
But my last request to him was this. You have to promise me if I do that, like if I go live in the church, that there'll be at least one more person in heaven when I'm done, that if I stay here one yard outside the gate of hell, you have to promise me that. See, but God always answers prayer, and he answers it in love and in perfect wisdom. He knows everything that's past. He knows everything current. He knows everything to come. He knows you. He knows everyone around you. He always answers prayer in wisdom. God also always answers prayer in power. In Acts chapter 12, it's not long after the resurrection and Jesus' ascension to heaven. And the apostle James is arrested and beheaded. And it causes such a massive celebration in Jerusalem that Herod decides to arrest Peter to do the same to Peter. So Peter's arrested, and then it says in Scripture, it says the church began to pray fervently for Peter. And, and then it says the night before he's to come to trial then, that uh, Peter's in, in jail, and he's chained up to two other guards, and, and then there are two other layers of guards that are there. But this angel shows up in the middle of the night and breaks the chains and uh, gets Peter past the guys he's chained to, and, and pass two sets of waking guards as well and frees him from this. And the, the irony is, he actually then, he, he finds his way to where the church is meeting, and they're actually, they're praying for him right in that moment. And he knocks on the door, and this servant girl goes to the door, and, and he's hollering, it's Peter, open the door, and she opens the door, and it's him, she can't believe it, so she slams the door in his face, <laughs> leaves him outside, and she goes in and she tells the people who are praying, God of all power, God of all might, God of all goodness, free Peter. She walks and says, Peter's freed. And they said, no, no, he can't be. Let's keep on praying. And they do. They keep on praying. And Peter is knocking at the door again. It took twice. And they finally, he comes in and they realize, oh, wow. Wow, God actually has the power to answer those kind of prayers. God has whatever, if God's going to act in love and perfect wisdom, whatever power is needed to carry that out, he always brings that power. He always brings that power. I prayed for a lot of sick people through the years, and you probably have as well. Two times, I've been praying for someone who's in an operating room, and the message came out from the operating room that uh, the person was dying, and there's nothing that could be done. And uh, both of those cases, uh, first one was Marie's dad, and I prayed for 20 minutes fervently, and all of a sudden, unexpectedly, I feel God say, you can quit praying now. It's out of the blue. And I would find out 10 minutes later that that was the very moment that his heart revived. And he, the doctor said, a miracle of God came back to life. And I think God does those a lot. But in that particular one, he showed me it was him. It wasn't just a chance thing. He showed me, he said, it's, when I was praying, he said, it's done. You quit now. And so 10 years pass, and um, I'm at a hospital, and there's a man in surgery, and I'm with the family praying, and the word comes from the hospital, from the operating room that the man's dying, and there's no hope. And I should have stayed with the family, but I didn't have enough sense, so I went down to the chapel and was praying in the chapel. I was praying, God, heal him, heal him, heal him. And as had happened a decade earlier, I felt suddenly, unexpectedly, I wasn't looking for it, I felt God say, stop praying now, it's done. So I went upstairs to where the family was and found out that was the very moment that, that Walter Gross came back to life again. God, has, God answers 
prayer in power. Again, he answers in love and perfect wisdom. And whatever the answer is, whatever power it takes, he delivers. I have a, a painting behind my desk at the office here, and it's Jeremiah 32, 17. And, and the final phrase is, is there's nothing too difficult for God. Do you know that when you pray? Do you know that that's the truth? God answers prayer in power. I give you one more. God also answers prayer in light of eternity. So, so here's a case where Paul, he's gotten way on deep into his life now, and he's been arrested because he follows Jesus, and now he's going to trial. He's being shipped to Rome to stand before Caesar in trial, accused of being a follower of Jesus, and there's no denial of that. He won't deny it, so it looks really bad, and the, the betting odds are he'll get executed when he goes before Caesar and everything. So he's on the ship, and some of you know what happened. There's this massive storm that comes up, and it goes on and on and on for 14 days. And the, the seasoned sailors on, the, on board the ship, they know they're going to die. There's no way out of this. And, and so they're deep into it, almost 14 days into it. And, and Paul pulls them together and says, hey, I've got a message from God for you. And there's, there's some good news. And so Acts 27 23, 24, he says this. He says to, the, to all the people on the boat, he says, For last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, Don't be afraid, Paul. Now, now what's going to follow that? I mean, this guy, he's headed to Rome, be put on trial before Caesar, and then to be executed because he's a follower of Jesus. Now, don't be afraid, Paul. I mean, it's a perfect setup. And we, we know there's going to be a shipwreck. Could there be a better prisoner escape than that and they're in the middle of the mediterranean there's this little island that god's going to put them on and it, it's the perfect escape don't be afraid paul but then paul goes on with what he was told he said for paul you will surely stand before caesar well is that good news or not <laughs> would you rather die now or die later is it good news or not <laughs> but god always answers prayer in light of eternity Paul would be in prison waiting for the trial for a couple of years, and he would write to the church at Philippi, which ends up, the letter becomes part of the Bible. He would write to three other churches, becomes part of the Bible as well. And so he writes to the church at Philippi, he gets to the very end of his letter, and he says, for, from all of the rest of God's people, they send you greetings to especially those in Caesar's household. Which means there are people in Caesar's own house Caesar claims that he's Lord of the universe, that he's God. There are people in his own house now who are saying, no, you're not. Jesus is Lord in his own house. And, and, and God loved them so much, he wasn't going to do a prison break for Paul. He was going to get Paul into Caesar's house so these people could one day find a relationship with Jesus and might have him one day. God always answers prayer in light of eternity. So I prayed for Marie's dad, and uh, he came back to life, and he had 19 more years. And in that 19th year, he got sick, and I prayed again. I prayed just as fervently. And this time, he died and went into heaven. But, but if, if I'd had my way, he'd got 19 more years. But at the 19th year of that stretch, when he got sick again, what, what do you think I would have prayed for? Make him well, God. If I'd had my way, 19 more years, and, and again, and again, and again, and when would the poor man ever get to heaven? 
If I all, this is the truth. If, if I love any of you and you get sick and you're ready for heaven, don't let me pray for you. Just say, God, don't hear this and that, man. Because I'll always be praying, you know, one more day, one more year, 19 more years. And God says, I, I, will, I will answer in love and perfect wisdom and power and in light of eternity. And now is the time. After first service, I talked to a, a man, a dear friend of mine, whose wife stepped into heaven just over a year ago. And, and we had a beautiful discussion about that, about um, the, the deep loneliness and heartache now. But knowing where she is, knowing the reunion to come one day, knowing that, God always answers prayer in light of eternity. Easter's coming up. Around here, a lot of us talk about having a, a top three. And that just means if we're a follower of Jesus, then then we've identified three people in our orbit, in our world that we care about, and they don't yet know Jesus. And so we especially pray that God would draw them to himself and that God might use us. And a time like this, with 21 days to Easter, it's a time that a lot of us are thinking and praying, God, God, I'm going to invite Joe or Betty or Sue or Billy to Easter services. Please work in his or her life to bring him or her here. Please touch his or her heart and spirit and mind when when they're here. This is the fervent prayer. And you can know this, that God always answers prayer in light of eternity. God answers prayer in love, in perfect wisdom, in power, in light of eternity. One of the greatest regrets that you and I will have at our dying breath will be the prayers that we never prayed. One of the greatest regrets we will ever have. In James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, it says this. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And that should stall us in our seats right there. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. I was going through one of my journals and this week, and I had read that day, I'd read Isaiah chapters 36 to 40, and it happened to be about Hezekiah that Weston had, had taught about so powerfully a few weeks ago, and, and I made these two entries in my journal that day. In chapter 37, verse 21, God said, because you prayed, and then there's this outcome because he prayed, and then in chapter 38, 5, it says, I've heard your prayers and seen your tears. And so I continued on in my journal reading it this past week of what I had written this some years back. And I had written those two things because you prayed and I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. And, and I began to pray for something called Living Hope Houston that did not exist with fervency and tears. And began to pray for marriages here in the harbor and pray about a thing called infusion that did not exist. And, and I, I caught myself reading that and God saying, you know, because you pray, I've heard your prayers, I've seen your tears. Now looking back, now over 100 people have walked through the doors of Living Hope Houston. Over 175 couples now have, have been through infusion weekends and marriages have been deeply touched. Because God does answer prayer and love and perfect wisdom and power in light of eternity. He does. So if you could ask God for anything, and you would know he's going to answer you in love and perfect wisdom and power and light of eternity, what would you ask him right now? What would you ask him? If you could ask anything of God, 
knowing that's true about him, about how he answers your prayer, what would it be? And why don't you close your eyes and bow your head and ask him right now. The God who answers prayer right now. Lord God, you have heard every heartfelt prayer offered to you. You've heard every fervent request where there have been literal tears. You have seen every one. You actually say you collect those in the bottle in heaven. And stunningly, God, you're a God who you not only hears but you answer as well. You're the one who hears prayer, but you answer prayer as well. And we worship you because you answer in love and in perfect wisdom and in power in light of eternity. May we be gripped by that, Father. May it grip our hearts and souls and minds. May that stir us and inspire us May we come to know that's just reality. May we step into that, lean into that, Father. May, may we be done with dried and stale prayers, Father. May there be this sense of electricity and expectancy every time we converse with you, Father. Because you're the God of the universe. And you're the God who does answer prayer. I pray this fervently with passion in Jesus' name, amen. Of, of anything we've ever been able to offer that would help folks at the harbor with prayer, there are two things that we want to offer you today that we believe are the most effective and most powerful we've ever done. I'll give you a backstory on one. One is called a prayer board. And the backstory on it is that in the movie The War Room, of which that clip came from, the, the actress in that um, portrayed a role where, where she cleaned out a closet and made that a prayer room. She called it a war room because that's where she did battle about this war that's going on on the planet now. And, and so she had sticky notes and stuff on the walls of prayer requests and answered prayers. And so one of our harbor folks wanted to create one of those in, in their home, but there wasn't room for a closet to do that. And so they got creative and thought, why don't I just create a portable um, 
war room. And so they, they came up with something that looked a lot like this. We've kind of modified a bit as we've gone along, but looked a bit like this. And, and so they had a place that they could put down, as the person had done in the closet, a place where they could put on with uh, post-it notes, prayer needs on one side of it. And, and then, and I'm not sure how much of this evolved from the initial version or not, but key in the center of this is a place to put God's promises. So the things that God's promised to do and the things that are his attributes to put those right here, because this is the basis of why we pray with fervor. And so there's some prayer needs and we look at God's promises, who he is. There's a place to, to move a sticky note over here when you see God beginning to answer that prayer. Some prayers aren't answered in an instant. Sometimes it's over time. If you see that, you would move the sticky note here and say, I see God's, God's in the process of answering that prayer. And then when God finally answers, the sticky note gets moved over here to where he's answered the prayer. And, and what this individual found, and then Justin, our prayer minister who built his own, began to find was, one, there was such focus on prayer, like such belief of what's really happening and every single prayer that was answered was captured here, which gave so much fuel to worship God and thank Him and serve Him and pray the next prayer. And so the vision became such that we realized, well, I could benefit from that too, and you guys could as well. So uh, we've had a ton of volunteers that have actually they've, they've handmade these from a bunch of raw product. They've handmade these in endless hours for you guys. You would get one of these. You would get also a, a little baggie that has... Um, the instructions to, to use the board, and then a post-it notes as well. You get these. And so these are actually, and the door is going to the outside. And uh, we'd ask you for a $5 donation just to cover cost and also gives you a little skin in the game with it. But if you don't have the money and you would use one of these, take one of these for your family perhaps. Maybe it's one the whole family uses and you, sh you share the request and the answers and all. Or maybe take one for yourself uh, as well with it. So but, so this is outside the doors. The, the, the thing that goes with it is this prayer journal that's been written right here in-house as well. And, and, of course, there's an intro sheet and there's some instructions about the board. But then there's, there's 21 days of prayer devotions in it beginning tomorrow, leading right up to Easter. 21 days of prayer devotion in it. And, and then the appendixes at the back that we have there will be ones you'll want to keep this and refer to this for a long, long time to come. Because included in it are, are many of God's promises, included are God's attributes, included are the hindrances to our prayer, included are the things that, that make our, our prayers more God-honoring, uh, included in it are, are uh, sample ideas and prayers to pray for a wife or a husband or a child or for a friend who doesn't know Jesus. It's, a, it's an endless resource for you here. And, and these are free. They're right behind the sound booth right here in this room, a bunch of baskets. And so I would urge all of you, pick up one of these, and then if you could use one of these, and on your way out, when you walk outside the doors, grab one of these as well. And our thought is that God will use these just to, to fuel even more, wherever you are now, even more the, the reality and the power of engaging with God in prayer. So let me pray for us, and then I'll dismiss you, and you guys can, can make use of those. Father, again, <laughs> what a stunning God you are. Help me never forget, never forget what actually is happening when I pray and what can happen when I pray as well. Help me pray accordingly, and, and may that prayer be the same for everyone in this room, and may it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, friends. God bless you.